Welcome to Bump Set Chat, the podcast where volleyball professionals come on and share their stories, experiences, and advice. And today, head coach of the Yukon Huskies women's volleyball team, Ellen Herman Kimball. Welcome to Bump Set Chat, a podcast for volleyball professionals to come on and share their stories, experiences, and advice. And today, I'm super excited. I have the head coach for the Yukon Huskies, Ellen Herman Kimball. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so glad you're able to do this. So, um, you know, how was uh, Tampa? I heard you got a, you know, you guys went down there for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tampa was great. Um, There's a lot of hype behind the sport in general. Um, Just being able to be on on a streamlined television uh, with ABC. Um, you know, I, I got a little bit of a warm up to it because I I'm a part of the the Division One head coaches committee uh, with the ABCA. So uh, you know, promoting as much as we can about the sport, um, and then actually seeing it come through to fruition here was was pretty remarkable. Um, we got to experience it in person in regards to the semis and the national and the yeah. championship. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it was insane. Like it was, I mean, just, just what you see on TV is what you've experienced yeah. in some cases when you're there even better. Um, yeah. And Tampa is another space where all of us coaches can go and learn from each other, yeah. um, and, and grow ourselves, grow, whether that's our individual leadership, whether that's our team leadership, whether that's, um, finding out new ways and new drills to coach or, or new training, training ideas. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a quick trip. Um, it, you know, it's always tough a little bit right around the holiday season, especially if you're not the one participating, mm-hmm. yes. um, but committing, committing to that time. And it's also a good time for us as a staff to continue to keep kind of growing together and, and conversing and saying, Oh, I, I saw this, that I think that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, and then also a little bit on the end of like growing your own personal um, growth as well when it comes to the professional world. So yeah. yeah, it was it was a great experience. Awesome. All right. So welcome to the pod. So the way we're going to start things off is we do three random questions. So are you ready? Mm, random. There All we right. Go. Yeah. All right. Favorite home cooked meal. Oh shoot. Um, <laughs> it's changed. Um, I would say back in the day when I was growing up. Um, I always enjoyed my dad's uh, sausage and potatoes, mm-hmm. typical uh, Midwest flair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then now I'd have to go to like a a good old taco bowl yeah. or um, my mom has, has, you know, crock pot recipes are the best. Um, so Mississippi pot roast solid. Oh, Mississippi it's, pot roast. Yeah, you you put uh you know a, a chuck roast in in the crock pot. You do nothing else but put it on low for eight hours yeah. and sprinkle some au jus, jus seasoning, some ranch seasoning, and some some pepperoni peppers, and it's oh, wow. golden with some potatoes on the sides and veggies. You're solid. So yeah. Oh, nice. Awesome. All right. So second one, best thing about living in Connecticut, you know, from coming from the Midwest and now yeah. living in Connecticut, how, you know, what's the, one of the nice things about living out here? I, I think the location, I think just the simplicity of being able just to get in a car and um, go to the mountains yep. an hour away, going to the ocean, um, going to Boston, going to New York city. Um, yeah. I think it's, I think that's the location piece and, and the people too are, are, are great. Um, I think we're right in the, between the, the hustle and bustle of, of Boston and New York city. So we get a little bit more of the, 
I don't know, the, the melting pot of people, but also the, the blue collarness of working really, really hard and having that family holistic type atmosphere too. So yeah. yeah, I think that's probably what it is. Yeah, that's you know, the same thing. You know, I tell people, you know, from home in Canada, like living down here, like we're 30 minutes to the ocean. We've got Boston, New York, if you want to go that yeah. way, the mountains of Vermont and New Hampshire. It's like you've got everything mm-hmm. within, you know, not a bad drive. Yeah, my family, my family is, um, you know, I'm I'm the one that's escaped. So um, and I shouldn't even say escaped because <laughs> that seems like it's a bad thing. But like I've, I've been the one that's I've always been a transplant like since college, I have just never been at home for longer than a couple months. Um, and you know, my, my stepmom and my dad and my mom, they're always like, man, like, did you see they now, you know, now they're on Instagram. So now they're sending me stuff like, oh my gosh, did you see this like cute little cottage or this like, you know, bed and breakfast, or did you see this place? Like, this is so cool. And then they have, you know, they have like a bunch of TLC shows and home cook shows that are just like based in new England. And, um, I was like, no, but thanks for the recommendation. Um, yeah. And growing up in Ohio was, I loved it. Like I, I, I didn't know what I didn't know, but now living here, it's like, I thought I was good at directions coming to Connecticut. (laughs) Not, I mean, now I'm got it under control, but like I could take two turns in Connecticut and be like, what did I, what did I do? And then Coming from Flatland, Ohio, it's like you go straight, you turn left, and you go <laughs> yeah. straight and you turn right. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, it's it's a good place to live. I, I enjoy it for yeah. sure. Excellent. All right. Final question of these random questions is: You're about mm-hmm. to hit the road with the team. Are you listening to a audio book? What's your music playlist? Or you know, what are you listening to? Mm, listening. Okay. Um, I'm a Spotify person. Um, However, the staff and I, we were actually just talking about this yesterday. I'm not really loving the fact that it like just picks the playlist for me. Like if I go for like a genre or from like, hey, morning mix or Sunday, whatever, it just like picks the songs I continually listen to. And unfortunately for my my own benefit, a majority of the things that I listen to are with my daughter, Mm -hmm. Josephine, who's five. (laughs) And I, you know, I'm lucky that she listens to the music that I listen to, which is another joke. Yeah. Um, but so like, like I, I'm a high, I'm like a, a big EDM, like house music gal. Uh-huh. So any genre like that is what we, I listen to. And believe it or not, sometimes I don't listen to anything on my drive coming into work. Like it's just me and my thoughts, yeah. which sometimes can be crazy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think. What I'm typically listening to most of the time is Spotify and some sort of EDM music. Yeah. Nice. All right. So let's jump into this. So, you know, we're lucky enough that, you know, we live close enough. We were able to, you know, catch a bunch of games this past season. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was wonderful to see you guys win that, you know, end of the season, send the seniors off with a W. How was, you know, Mm -hmm. what were your thoughts on that? Well, a lot of teams don't win their last game, so that's great. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, as you know, this, this season was was tough, um, definitely a growing season. Um, but, but talking about the end, I think the team, what I was most proud of them is that they, they just never gave up. And we talked about that a lot in the gym and practice is like the easy thing is just to shut the door. Yeah. And the easy thing is to just – close it down. And whether that you say that physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever, um, 
but they, if you would come into our gym during training throughout the entire season, you would never would have guessed what our, our record was. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me that, that, to me, that just shows that they're, they're bought into obviously our vision as a staff. Um, and, and our vision is their vision. Um, and, and then on top of it, they just have a high pace that they're, they're not worried about what happens tomorrow. They're, they want to, they want to be better a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, um, and using that as their motivation. So I, I think that's one of my major thoughts and, and, you know, recollections from the end of the season yeah. is the fact it just could have been easy to be like, cool, right. We're done. Um, and they didn't. And yeah. so they, they chose, they chose the hard, right. And, um, yeah. Excellent. And, and, you know, I had Peter on, I had Maggie and I had KB on sort of free a freshman senior and a coach and they all sort of yeah. you, talking to them. You couldn't even tell that the see the record was the way it was, you know, right. just really, you know, enjoyed the environment, the culture that's built around there. It just, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, I think that really echoes what you were just talking about. Yeah, I agree. It's, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a young, a young head coach. Um, you know, I, I obviously had the experience of playing in college and at the next level professionally and had a dip in national team. And, um, and that, that playing experience provides obviously some, some empathy and whatnot in regards to me as a coach. Mm Um, and, yeah, I think I think that the style and the commitment that we lay when we recruit um and our communication, like it, it's just the messaging that I think is really, really important. Um, you know, we had we had a, a mantra this season that was um process focused. So it was, I don't know if you saw like practice shirts, it was I can, you can, we will. Mm-hmm. And you know, the I cans was how, what is something my, my, as myself, as an individual can, can do or get better at, um, that can better, you know, obviously for the benefit of the team. And so we had, I can statements every single week. Um, you know, sometimes I balance, I was like, do I do it every two weeks to allow them some, some growth areas. Mm-hmm. And the I cans was just establishing like, I can, pass a 2.1 or I, I can serve the ball with aggressiveness and pace and trajectory to zone two, you know, whatever that is like. um, And, and sometimes it's for those that even allows those that may not be able to participate and contribute on the floor um, to provide a measurement in a match. It was also like, I can be a support system for my other left sides. Like I can be vocal, you know, I can be vocal in in my decision-making that I think that I can help out my teammates. So it it really provoked a, um, an influential for, uh, environment from a, a process and progress um, standpoint. And then it launched into our UCAN. So like the UCAN is like the encouragement, like yeah. the, the, the growth of a championship culture can, championship team is you, you can't do it alone. Like yeah. you just can't. And a part of that is encouraging your teammates, supporting your teammates. So then at the end of those weeks, we would then take, you know, 10 minutes, not even, um, we'd prompt them with a question that they would then have to ask and reflect to their teammates. Right. So, um, as simple as like, what did you, what did you see here? Um, and think about your teammates and their eye cans from this week. Um, and then 
And then every week during our scouting report, we would have our, our we will statements. So very team oriented. That was something that we did in regards to our team drills throughout the throughout the week. Um, and, and in turn, when we would accomplish our we will statements, we would then recollect or we would, you know, on those Mondays or Tuesdays when our first day of training was, depending on our off day, we would then say, hey, like, okay, let's let's evaluate. Let's evaluate our we wills. Let's evaluate what we did, what we didn't do. Why? How can we be better? What did we do wrong? What did we do right? Um, and then, you know, the goal by the end of the season was to have this whole bulletin board full of we will statements. Nice. And um, and I think that allowed us to focus on the process and not necessarily, you know, the wins and the losses. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, like it, that's just one measurement. I understand that, but it's, it's really hard to win. Yeah. It's really hard to win. And it's really hard to win on a, a consistent basis. And, um, and sometimes when we lost, we, we lost by like, yeah, decimal points, like in, um, so yeah. So I think that provoked an environment that didn't allow us to be, um, overwhelmed by, well, why right. like what's what's the point what's the worth i don't see any progress and yeah so yeah. that helped a ton let's go back to the beginning so you're from the midwest uh yeah. you know when did you first discover volleyball first time was family like family gatherings so my my father is the oldest of eight. Oh wow um big family yeah. big irish catholic family um so they, we would have cookouts and like every other weekend, it was like somebody's birthday, a holiday, a cookout, whatever it was. And we'd always go to my grandparents' house and believe it or not, like my grandparents had a volleyball net in their backyard and they, it was, it was held up by like, you know, those big circular, like metal, I don't know, outlines or frames that was just filled with cement. With okay. This big yep. Hole. And we just rolled it out in the backyard and we put a net in there. And I would say a majority of my family are fairly athletic. Mm -hmm. Like, so I remember my aunt's always playing volleyball. Like we would just play volleyball in the backyard. And I think that's kind of what launched it. Mm -hmm. um, but I, but I also, in that time, like, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm not, I'm not that old, but you know, 15, 20 years ago, when I was a growing child, I, we would be playing everything. We'd be outside all the yeah. time. We'd play shuffleboard. We played basketball. We played Frisbee, played softball, played tag, like all these things that were great. And then, um, so I was a multi, if you want to call it a multi-sport yeah. athlete as a, as a child, like in my adolescence, I was doing all those things. And then finally, when I got to middle school, we had organized sports, um, from a school perspective, right. like I was a part of my sports prior to that, I was heavy into soccer, heavy into softball. And then once I got to middle school, we had a middle school team and I tried out for the volleyball team and I made it and I was the setter <laughs> and yeah. And that's how it started. Oh, wow. So. And now what, what, what was the hook that volleyball had on you versus like you said, you were all these, you know, you played soccer and other sports as well. What was it about volleyball that, you know, just grabbed you? I think it's the balance, um, a balance of a lot of sports. Like you're not running all the time. Mm -hmm. One, um, you touch the ball often Two, Yeah. Uh, it's a team sport, which I love three. 
and something happens all the time. Yeah. Like, um, so like you have to be skilled, uh, you have to be athletic, um, you have to be smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I think, and you can still provide, you can still be able to, even though there's a net in between and there's, it's not a contact sport, there's still an aggressive aggressiveness about it that I loved. Yeah. Um, I also loved basketball. I really loved basketball as well. Um, I was a four or five, so I was, a you know, because I'm tall and, um, I didn't mind contact. I didn't mind bodying up somebody or boxing somebody out. Like yeah. that wasn't a big deal to me. Um, but I, I did, I did basketball all through high school as well. So I was basketball, volleyball, but, um, I stuck with volleyball cause one, two, I was better at it than I was in basketball. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, it's just that innate, like that intangible feeling that you're like, I just really like it. Yeah. And, um, now in my experience of growing and, and maturing and now doing it as my career, um, I've recognized that it's not so much about the sport mm-hmm. that I love, but the, the experiences, the people, um, the influence yeah. that the sport has given me, which now, you know, I can still be all that or learn all that or, or be influenced obviously. But I, I just love, I just love providing that now to, to the team. Yeah. I, it's what drives me. Yeah. And I, I love like, you know, like as we were talking earlier about, you know, I, I came back to volleyball and seeing college volleyball, you know, it is, the cool ass and really neat aspect of it is the bench players. You know, it's not like other sports where the bench are just sitting there, or, you know, from soccer right. or basketball. Your bench, you know, are active. They're cheering. They're doing dances. Yeah. And I think that is another aspect of like, even though you may not be, you know, on the court, you're still contributing. You know, you're still mm-hmm. hyping up people. You're you're involved. And I think that's such a wonderful aspect of the game. Yeah, I, it's funny. It's funny you say that, too, because, like, I never know what they're doing. Um <laughs> Until like I see pictures or video yeah. or whatever, because like obviously my back is to them all the time. Yeah. So yeah, whatever you're seeing, like I, I leave that up to like, you know the you know the captains and the yeah and the you know the the assistant coaches to be like, hey, if anything's inappropriate back there, which <laughs> I highly doubt that they'll do, but you just let me know. But I do it. Like yeah. be a part of it. Excellent. But you can feel it too. Like without even me looking at them, I can feel their energy coming yeah. through my backside too. So it's, yeah, they, they pride themselves yeah. on their energy for sure. Excellent. And now, you know, back in middle school, high school, when you were playing volleyball, did you play club as well or really just high school ball and moved on to college from there? Yeah, I actually, I did play club ball. Um, I played my first club season actually going into high school. So that was like my first experience. And that was just with like a local club. It yeah. was called Glass City Volleyball. That was like back in Toledo. Um, you know, at that time it was kind of a grassroots program. Um, and then after after my freshman year, I played for Toledo Volleyball Club, which they're still they're still functioning. There's a couple people that are still there from when I was there. And um, yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. And and I was that was the more of the travel, like you, yeah. it wasn't the regional. Uh, I mean, we were on a, I think I pl- went on my first plane ride being with this oh, wow. team. I remember going, I think we we're going to like Minneapolis or something. Um, and yeah. And fortunately 
I was in a, the, uh, like a, a, a pool or a time period in which we had some pretty high caliber athletes that were playing at some big time programs for volleyball. Yeah. So, um, so that was just the place to go. Like if you wanted to excel and, and get looked at and do all those things, it, yeah. was, it was TBC. Nice. And now would you say that led to a lot of your development and, you know, more exposure to volleyball to allow you to succeed onto that next level? Yeah, I, I would, I would definitely leave it up to that. I mean, I, you know, I, I leave it up to my parents. I mean, back then, like spending, you know, I don't even know what the cost was, but let's just say it was like maybe $3,000, yeah. $3,500 bucks for the, you know, and it's probably like $7,500 now. I have no idea. Yeah. So I'll leave that up to you. So thank <laughs> you for your, your investment and your daughter. Um, but yeah, I mean, for them to do that, to put that much money down for their, their child to do what they love, I think was a big investment. And um, so they, you know, and I think from a parent's perspective now, I think they wanted their money's worth of like, you know, how are you going to develop my child? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think, you know, going to these national qualifiers that are still around today. So we went to Big South, we went to Northern Lights, we went to NEQ, we did all these things that have been around for years, uh, was we went to nationals, like those are things like we qualified. So those are some big moments that allowed, allowed us to be exposed. Yeah. And again, fortunately, I was a part of a team that had other high caliber athletes. Yeah. So um, you know, I had a teammate that went to Minnesota. I had a teammate that went to UCLA. I had a teammate that went to Stanford, like all these things that, you know, not a lot of people get to have, get to have that experience, but yeah, yeah it was a big, big influence on, on my next, my next launch. Excellent. And now when did you graduate from setter to outside hitter? Mm. Well, um, there was another position after setter and then another position after that. Okay. So setter, I was in middle school, um, yeah, I had the, I mean, I know why, but I don't know why. Like I just, I was one of those kids. Like, I just want to play yeah. Put me wherever I'll do it. Um, and then, um, in high school, I, you know, I'm six one, um, and I was probably six feet at my freshman year. So, oh, wow. uh, you know, back, back then, not always the case now, but back then, like the tallest just goes in the middle, yeah. right. Cause from a defensive perspective, you just go, Back yep. and forth, back and forth. So I was a middle in high school. Um, and then actually, I I was a middle a majority of my high school career. I was also a middle a majority of my club, oh, my wow. club experience. Yeah. And again, like I, I could care less. I just wanted to play like, yeah. okay, you want me to do whatever? I'll do whatever. And then when things started to come about with recruiting, you know, I... I was athletic enough and good enough to probably play in the, the middle position at the next level, but it would be at a, a smaller school. Yeah. Um, you know, but I had my, my eyes and my aspirations to, to go to a bigger school. Um, and again, like now that I think back, like I didn't go to a power five, um, but we played against power fives and we beat them. Yeah. So it didn't really matter. Um, and so it wasn't until my senior year where I started to get some exposure on the left side. Like I played middle still, but I went and, you know, hit on the left every once in a while. Cause then that's what I ended up doing. I yeah. ended up playing left side and, um, you know, my, my 
then coach Jeff Carlson, who is now actually back at Ohio university, um, took a chance on me. He's like, Hey, you're going to play on the left and rest is history. Wow. This is showing my age. So when I was playing, we were mm-hmm. the it was the power and the weak side. When did they start changing it to right side and left side? My daughter came home and said, "Oh yeah, we're you know the pin hitters." Like, what is a pin hitter? That's you know. So when did the yeah. verb, verbiage change from you know right side and left side from you know power to weak side? I you or know, maybe it was I, a Canadian I, thing. I don't know. It could it could be Canadian, Barry. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Like it, yeah, it's a uh, yeah. I think I think now. I think the the game has definitely evolved. Like there's no doubt about it. Um, Language wise. Like I think now before it was like, you know, the outsides and it may just be a philosophy thing too, but the outsides were always just the ball control, you know, the the go-tos and um, you're not really, I mean, do I think that that's still the case in some, in most cases? Yes. Just because of out of system, right? Like you Mm -hmm chucking balls to the the pins right but now i mean but now you you're able to set an out of system ball to the right side yeah. and you know there's a lot of disparity between like defense from the right pin and defense from the left side and um you know and then even with the middles like it's the middle position is crucial yeah. um and not only i would even be hard to say what what is better or worse? Cause I don't, I don't think there's really any sort of uh, discrepancy between the two, but like, you know, your middles are, are relied, we're relying on them to block yeah. like their defense and their schemes and their minds and their reading and their anticipation is super, super important, but also like, Hey, if a middle can transition the ball and we can dig it to yeah. the middle of the floor, like we can be pretty lethal. Absolutely. Like, and so the game itself is has evolved. So even from language to mm-hmm. um to how the game is 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 ran. Um and I also think it's kind of like cyclical too. Like I, I you know, I kind of think it I don't think of it like wardrobes, right? But yeah. I wish I would have kept some pants when I was in high school because now they're coming back. <laughs> yeah. But I I do remember like we when I was in college, we ran we ran the BIC a lot. Like we ran the back row a ton. And then it just kind of like stopped for a second. Mm-hmm. Um and again, like, do I know why? I I don't really know. I'm yeah. not I'm not that much. My mind doesn't like sit there and analyze all those things, but it's definitely, you know, now exposing it on television and, mm-hmm. and seeing what these young women are doing on a regular basis and how the game's evolved. And like, what are we plugging from the men's side to the women's side, to the beach side, to the international side? Nice. And how can we just interlock all these things together um, and to make the game as elite and as fast as possible yeah. um, is, is pretty remarkable. So yeah, incorporating that back row is you get somebody who can have that be their go-to and their niche, yep. it, it becomes really lethal. Oh, absolutely. And now, you know, so we jumped ahead, but, you know, from after high school, you went to Ohio. Mm-hmm. What made, you know, what was that recruiting process like? You know, what made you pick Ohio? Yeah. Um, it's, it sounds cliche, but it's true. I'm, I'm a, a huge relationship person. Um, I, I, you know, I, pride myself on my relationships. Like I, I love, I love feel like I'm a feeling person. Mm-hmm. Um, I have high intuition. Um, and when something feels right, that's, uh, that's what I lean on my decision-making yeah. most of the 
Um, and sometimes that's a downfall, but other times it's also a great advantage. And, um, you know, I was, I'm a competitive individual and, you know, as I, as I mentioned before, like I wanted to play at the highest level possible when I was in high school and, and just like all, you know, 16 year olds back then, you know, they think that everybody is great and that you're the greatest and everybody should want you. And there's no reasons why. And so I was, I was kind of like second in command for, and again, like I was in middle, right. So yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't touching 10, two or 10, five at that time in the, in the middle, um, they needed size and, you know, people were, they just didn't see me enough on the left pin to, to make a, an, you know, a, a commitment on their end. Yeah. And you know, so I, people, you know, like Ohio state told me no, and, you know, Illinois told me no. And, you know, Notre Dame was like, I'm not quite sure. And, um, you know, Georgia tech was a big, was on, was on my list, um, and went to visits on all these, you know, all yeah. these places. And I was just like, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. Like why, you know, people don't, they're not seeing what I'm seeing, right? you know, and, and they don't know. And again, like that's now being in that position to recruit, like yeah. I get it. Um, and then Ohio just came out of nowhere, like no joke. I'm from Ohio. Yeah. Right. And I remember getting back then we got hard mail. So like we got snail mail. So yeah. like when you'd go to the mailbox and you'd be like, heck yeah, I get five letters from colleges. This is awesome. Cause we didn't have, I mean, we had emails, but we had AOL mens um, messenger, <laughs> exactly. like, you know, we we're sitting there on aim, like, like, you know, typing out to our friend, our yep. coaches or whatever. So a lot of that initiated contact was through snail mail. And I just kept getting this, all this mail from Ohio. And I'm like, where the heck is Ohio university? This is not <laughs> Ohio state. And I was like, cool. And they just kept, they insisted, they pushed and they pushed and they pushed. And they finally got to the point where I finally like looked them up. Yeah. I like saw what they're all about. I went on a visit and they poured every single ounce of their energy into me. Wow. And I mean, our, our walking tour was like two and a half hours. Like my, I remember my brother coming on my visit. My dad was on my visit. They made them feel like they were at home. Um, the girls like completely just took me under their wing and was like, you're coming with us. And I, and then I obviously watched them play and I was like, you know, I can, I can play at this level. Like, I feel like I can, I can contribute yeah. here. And yeah. And they, they told me I was their number one and like, okay. If, if that would have been somebody else's, like if, if it was timing, like maybe it was a little bit of timing, but yeah. like, I was just no and no and no and no. And then finally somebody came about and was like, we love you. You're it. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I didn't commit on the time. I didn't commit there. Yeah. Um, I don't remember exactly the timeline. I remember committing earlier. So like at that time, people, they could, we could reach out to them and then we could communicate. So like I was having conversations with the coaches when I was a sophomore in high school and where now we can't do that. Right. And, um, you know, I made some commitments. I went down to watch them play. They came up to, to UT to Toledo. I watched them play there and yeah, it was in at BG. Cause my, that's like 20 minutes from my parents' house from Bowling Green. And, um, yeah. And I, I remember telling my dad and being like, Hey dad, I think, I think I'm ready to commit. And he's like, all right, we'll call him up. And yeah, that's, wow. that's what happened. And the recruiting process was fast. 
from what I remember, it yeah. was early, you know, I think, and now being in their, in our shoes, in, in the coaching shoes, like, you know, I remember, and I still see some of the coaches that recruited me, like oh, when wow. I'm recruiting, like I, I have a lot of relationships with people because they just were at different institutions. Yeah. Some of them recruited me, like it's crazy. <laughs> and they're like, did you get timelined? Like, did they do, did they snatch you up? They do something wrong. Like, you know, and, and I was like, no, no, I don't think so. Like, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I just, I set on the fact that like, it was the place for me and it felt right. Yeah. So that's how it happened. Excellent. And it turned out wonderful because you made their uh, hall of fame, correct? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. I was, um, I tell this now, like, you know, people ask the recruits ask me why I coach and why I do the things I do. And yeah. A lot of it was because of Ohio. Like it was, um, it was hard. Like, don't get me wrong. Like there were some moments I was like, wow. Um, I remember that, yeah. uh, for memory. And, but also it was such a great blend of like, you have your, your volleyball, you have your mm -hmm. school and you have your social life. Yeah. And I think if you, you obviously need balance and all, but like, you want to be really good in every section. And it's hard for a team to do that. Like if you have a team that's like crushing the social life and crushing the volleyball life, yeah, they're probably in some academic situation and someone is doing something and they're able not to play. Right. Yeah. Or you have high academics and high volleyball and no social life. It's, there's some issues there. Like, yeah. and, and I shouldn't say issues. I, I think that's wrong for me to say, but like, it That's affects. a part of college too, is just figuring out who you are. Yeah. And, and then on the other end, right. You've got academics and social and no volleyball, like we're here to play mm -hmm. volleyball. So, right. um, I honestly believe that in my experience at Ohio, we did high social, high academics and high volleyball yeah. and, and it showed like it showed and don't get me wrong. We were kicked out of practice. Uh, people got hurt. Uh, people were disciplined, like, we had all of that all the time, yeah. but we, we won a lot of championships and we went to the NCAA tournament every single year. And we won, like there was one, we won regular season, my whole, all four years there. We won three out of four tournaments. We got beat in the championship one year. That was devastating. Yeah. And yeah, we, at one point in my career, we were ranked 13th in the country wow. and it was, I mean, and that's, that's the experience that I'm like, I, I've been a part of that. Right. And if I could relate Ohio to UConn, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of similar. Like I know that UConn has the brand, like our, our men and women's basketball team is yeah. elite. Our field hockey team is elite. You know, our football is trying to grow. Like there are so many programs here that are on this championship level with lacrosse. It's hockey. ranked. You've got hockey. Yeah. I mean, you've got every single team is like on the cusp of like nationally ranked yeah. track and field. I mean, you name it. And, and volleyball, like we, we're able to get our foot in the door because of our name. Right. But we haven't created that championship uh, ex well, we, we create a championship experience, but we just haven't won a championship in a really long time. Yeah. And, and I, and that's where I see the grittiness and the chip on the shoulder and, um, the, the, the people that have been told no, because yep. they're not good enough to play at the best level possible. I believe that 
those young women can come here and we can just tell everybody I told you so. Yeah. Like, um, and that's and that's what I I love about UConn is and I think that's our X factor. Like yeah. it has to, has to be. Excellent. And now you know, looking back on Ohio, what you know, is there a certain memory that sticks out most? Well, there's a couple things. Like I remember from a game perspective, um, there's nothing like a conference championship. Uh, we at that time, like we would, we won regular season, but we had a tournament every single year. So we'd go to the tournament yeah. and a couple of years, they were actually in Toledo at the, the Seagate center at that time it was named and we'd go, it was like a, a neutral site. We'd all go, it was very championship feeling. And we won that. And that was just like, there's nothing better than like getting game points yeah. and just like getting on your knees and like, <laughs> you know, celebrating with your teammates. Um, the NCAA tournament is a whole nother level yeah. of pressure. Um, you know, probably by my junior and senior year, uh, it, it felt more a bit more of like, yeah, this is, this is it. This is, we're ready for this. Yeah. Um, and then my senior year, uh, we finally got past the first round. So we, we would go into the tournament and, you know, and unfortunately because of our conference and RPI and we'd always get paired with like the one or two seed and we'd always go to Penn state. Oh. <laughs> and I think like it's either Penn state or Purdue. Yeah. And we'd always go there. Cause it's always by region a little bit in the beginning. And so it was hard to, it was hard to, to get past the first round. Yeah. And, and then finally my senior year, we had Notre Dame my first round and my, and the coach that was there recruited me yeah. and I knew all the girls. Cause like all the girls I went to camp with and, you know, little, little old Ohio Bobcats come into play and we just ripped them. Oh, and it was, it was like the best feeling ever. Like, yeah. it's like just the competitor, right? You're like, looking at them and, and, you know, I'm shaking their hands and, you know, and like Debbie Brown at the time, who was the coach there, who's absolutely remarkable. And, you know, I give her a big hug after the game and I'm just like, she's like, you know, she just says like just good things, you know, yeah. like, I'm just so proud of you. Like oh, really nice. good or things like that. Um, and then the next match was our, was the match to go to the sweet 16 and we played Michigan and we were paired up. We were paired up at a time where I was like, you know, the, the chances like we're, we're actually put in a position where we could do, we could go to the sweet 16. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously Mark Rosen was there at the time and, uh, you know, we're in Ann Arbor. So like heavy, oh heavy fa Herman family came up to support. Cause it was only about 45 minutes away. And, you know, my family's a big Michigan family anyways. I wouldn't, I mean, I said that now, but we're supposed to be Ohio state fans and we weren't. Right. <laughs> um, and, and we went there and we were up 2 oh. in the games and that 10, we, at that time we had a 10 minute break in between sets two and three. Yeah. And we were just clawing to get back. Like third set we lost. I, I can't remember the specific yeah. score. Fourth set we lost oh, and we're getting no. to the fifth set. And we lost, I think we lost 15, 13 in the fifth. And oh. I remember, I remember I was in back row and the setter, um, last name was Zimmerman, I think. And she went to just, she just, she did a two shoot and she just dumped it 
on the second and right in the donut. And I remember just like laying out in middle back and like, there were three of us that just kind of collided. And, you know, as always, like those things, like we get picked those things up every day in training. Um, and then this one fell and they won. And I remember Uh. just laying there and just devastated, you know, so close, um, so close to do it. And again, like it's, you remember those moments, um, from a game perspective, but you know, I, I really do remember the practices and the training and like, I remember like the mindset behind things too. Just like, I remember being in a, in practice and being like, you know, this game, you know, this game, like even for myself, I was the left, you know, I was the outside, I was the go-to player. And, um, I remember like it, like channeling my inner, like, manifestation of a game I remember those things like being like Ellen this is this is it you're envisioning on the other side of the net like you've got two six four blockers over there like you will kill this ball like and I I just remember those feelings inside of me that like that's what I'm trying to help and teach like again like nobody told me to do that nobody taught me to do that like that was just my own that was just me and I and I get that I can't I can try, but it's not up to me to do that, to help my team or right. to help my players. But like that, like, I can't say that that's what it takes, mm-hmm. but the only thing I know is that it, it, that's what it took me to get there. And, um, but those are some, those are some pretty core memories. I remember from my experience and, yeah. and again, the people, like, I can't tell you enough about the people, like you have to have people that support you um that encourage you that boost you up yeah um but also like but also push you and tell you like you're wrong like and and it's okay like and so that's i think there's just a a big it's a big concoction of of memories that just have been a part of why i do what i do because i it shaped me to who i am and um yeah and that's why i do what i do is because it's like why not? Yeah. And now, you know, what advice would you have for that kid that's coming to, you know, coming to college right now or in the fall, something that you wish you knew then that, you know, head coach UConn Ellen knows now? I think the, when it comes to, you know, the players that come to UConn and I, I want them, I, and not everybody thinks like I do. So like, I, again, like, and that's something like I'm con- continually trying to always be better. Like nobody's going to think the way I, you know, I have to tell myself like, Ellen, that's okay. Like, it's okay. She didn't react Mm -hmm. the way that you wanted her to react. Like that's, it's not about you. It's about them, you know? And, um, I, I just feel I, if I had the chance, like I would like for people to really just put their guard down in some ways to, and I, I'm saying that, like, I, I understand, like, a part of that is maturity, too, mm-hmm. it, like, being through stuff, like, you have to understand, but it's just, I wish, I wish there was just this, like, blank, like, really this blank canvas of coming into school and just being really inquisitive and curious yeah. about anything, like, and, and again, like, let's, like, relate it to volleyball, like, yeah. about volleyball, like, what how can I be my best? 
and take nuggets from any person that you get. Yeah. And then also too is college is a, is a, a boiling pot of growing social beings. Yeah. <laughs> and it is really, really hard. And, you know, I think when, when high school students come to college, like they're just, they're so used to one way, mm -hmm. uh, whether that's because your parents made it easier on them. Right. Um, you know, maybe they, maybe they were completely independent. Who knows? Uh, maybe they've never been around a, a variety of different people. Yeah. Like Small everything town. is different. Now you're yes. in a, in your classroom where you're, there's 400 kids. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish I, I, I wish I had the opportunity to just have like really authentic conversations with people. Yeah. All right. And authentic means like listening to them mm -hmm. and hearing, like really like hearing them and then also being able to like converse and also feel to be heard yeah. at the same time. After college, you were part of, you were part of the national team. You got to go to play over in China. What was that experience? I Wild. <laughs> I bet. Wild. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I was a kid that I, I, you know, I got into college and I was like, I'm, I Olympics, like, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm going to the Olympics. That's what I want to do. I, I want to play pro. Like I was the kid that high volleyball school was important because I knew I needed to get good grades. Yeah. I got good grades, but like, I, I, I had aspirations to play volleyball first and then my job was going to happen after that. Yeah. And um, so I had the opportunity, like even during college, we had national team tryouts. So at that time, now it's called the collegiate national team. Now it's, it, now it's called a collegiate national team. Last, when I was in college, it was like the A2 team. Okay. So like basically what we would do is we'd go to our national team tryouts and it was specifically just called like current college okay. athletes. And even, even if it was, if you were, um, done with eligibility. Like if you were finished your senior year, you yeah. did it in the spring, you could go try out still, but even freshmen could go too. Oh, wow. So, um, we went, we tried out and I started at my junior year. So I went my junior, actually, did I go my junior year? I mean, I went my sophomore year anyways, somewhere in there. Um, we went to try out and I made the team and we, at that time we went to, uh, Georgia tech, we went down to Georgia tech's area and it was, it happened, it, it worked out to happen in May mm -hmm. because, um, that's when, yeah, we just went to train and it was a dead period. Everybody's was out of school already. Yeah. So like it worked out, we stayed in the dorms. It was fun. We trained for a week and then wherever the, the adult nationals were, we went and competed at the adult nationals. So we'd play against all these like other, you know, pro people, yeah. adult, you know, adults that wanted to be in the open division. And, um, yeah. And that's kind of how, how it went. And I, that was how I started my, my adventure in the national team. And then after I was done with the national, after I was done with my collegiate national experience, and I did that again at Minnesota. Yeah, We did it at Minnesota. It was great. And then, um, I got a call from Hugh McCutcheon, who was actually formerly at at Minnesota, who's now not coaching at all. He, I think he's a consultant with the USA team or something. Mm -hmm. um, but he was like, Hey, do you want to come out and train in the summer? And then you want to be, if you make the list to go to China, you make the list to go to China. I was like, wow. 
Sweet. So I, I wish I would have done it longer mm -hmm. to feel what my role or my identity was with the national team. Like yeah. if I had read about it, I wish I would have done that longer. Um, but I hopped right on the pro train yeah. and, and again, like, that's what we did. Like we, we'd go to the national team in the summertime, we could go play pro, yeah. come back, train in the summertime, go play pro. And then like, that's how you venture. Like that's how you qualify the Olympics. And that's just how that, that function works. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I, I went overseas and I loved my experience and, um, my first round in Germany was, iffy yeah. like it was a different level it was literally all volleyball like you just wake up at eight you play volleyball you go to bed at eight and you start over again oh, wow. like it it was intense um and being a high social person mm -hmm. it didn't really fit for me yeah um and so then I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore because it was only my one experience. And so I got into coaching um, and actually came to UConn for a year. And well, actually, I, well, hold on a second. I, yes, I did that. And then I was like, you know what? I want to, I want to get back at it. I just wasn't ready. Like I, I didn't, I didn't do any of my homework. I didn't do any of that stuff. I just thought that's what it seemed like I should do. Yeah. And I still had a really hard passion for the sport. Um, and fortunately, like I was training most of the time. Anyways, I was playing for, with the team. I was coaching and playing with the team. So I didn't really lose touch. Yeah. And, um, you know, at my time, at the time, the, the former coach, I, you know, I, I don't know. She was hoping I'd stay longer, obviously, but I, I pulled a selfish act and I wanted to, I wanted to keep playing. And then I went to Switzerland and played for two seasons in Switzerland. And it was, amazing yeah like it was a great balance between your social your competitive and win mentality it was awesome yeah. and so yeah it was kind of a little bit of the adventure of of my professional career and um the usa pipeline kind of vanished in my review mirror and my yeah. priorities changed a little bit and um yeah but i i wouldn't i wouldn't take anything back nice it was it was, it was awesome that was Germany the way it was just because of the team or the league was set up that way versus you had, you know, Switzerland was just, you know, like you said, it was a different balance. It's hard for me to say. Cause I don't, I only played, I played for a team in Hamburg. Yeah. Um, and it could have just been the team. I mean, yeah. the league we played, I played in the first league. So, which was the top league. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was also in a really like, I mean, this is my own opinion again, mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm up in the middle, the Northern part of Germany and, you know, it's similar to Connecticut in the sense of like daylight. Yeah. So it's like dark in the morning, dark at night, um, completely different than anything I've ever experienced in my entire life up to that point. Yeah. And, you know, just it with the people were just so rigid too. Like yes. they were just like, <laughs> this is my life. I'm black and white and there's no gray. And I'm like, here, I'm a great person. Um, I like to have fun. Yeah. And, and not to say that they, you know, the people that I was around didn't have fun. Cause I have, I still have lifelong relationships with a few of my teammates that yeah. have, that I met there. Um, yeah, it just, it was, it was not what I thought it would have been. Yeah. All right. um, yeah. So, Fair. but now yeah. what was training and practice like at, you know, at the pro levels versus coming back and practicing with the national, was it like a night and day from like how they, you know, approach the training and, and 
practice versus, you know, over there? Yeah, I think the answer to that question is yes, different. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're athletes, so we've got to, we've got to take care of our bodies. Um, you know, so usually in the mornings practices were a little bit more like down, we weren't jumping yeah. a lot, doing a lot of ball control, a lot of floor defense. Um, and then like in the afternoon, that's when the team was around. So like from a national team perspective, you know, we had morning training and then afternoon training, we had a break for lunch and that's kind of how it was. And I remember, I remember my first practice with the national team and we did this like ball control series. And like, you talk about touches, like our warm up was like, we had to get the ball over the net like a hundred times in just like from a passing perspective, then from a setting perspective, then from a down ball perspective. Oh, wow. And I was just like, it, it was like a 45 minute warm up, And I was like, that was just the warm up, Like, <laughs> like that's, I mean, my head, like, you know, at right. 20 years old, I was like, Whoa, uh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, you know, and where like the pro side and this is not every team, so it could be yeah. different, but you know, I was the pro, I was a professional. We had a couple other teammates that were the professionals. And then we had other teammates that like lived there, yeah. you know, like they're, they're German or they, they've, you know, migrated there and they've lived there they put their, and they have a real job and then they do volleyball on the side. Yeah. Um, so it was really kind of like a small training sessions in the mornings. Um, and then the afternoons were the team practice, yeah. okay. um, but kind of similar. And then we'd watch film and we'd have events we'd have to go to. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, like the experience is different. Like some of the the team that lives there, like you'd be invited to their, you get to know their parents yeah. and their friends <laughs> and their family. Cause it was, they live there. Yeah. It was cool. Ah. And now for that, you know, that kid that's wrapping up college, thinking about pro, what advice do you have for them? And also now that we have, you know, we have our own pro league here starting in the U S that's mm -hmm. yeah, super fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think, God, I, again, like these are good questions because I want to answer them as, as best as I can. Um, you know, the advice for them is like, if they, if they want to continue to keep playing to the next level, um, you know, I think putting them, I shouldn't say putting them because obviously their parents help. Like it's, it's not all about the parents, but yeah. the parents need to be uh, just as bought in, but their job, you're, you know, the job as a parent is to be the encourager, the supporter, um, you know, maybe even a little bit of that level headedness and being like, what's realistic for you. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think that's a part of it too, and figuring out what, what is realistically capable from a, a skill perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I think like right now, even in the state of Connecticut and in new England, like there's a couple, there's a couple, there's a couple athletes out there that could play at the, like at the next level at the division one level. But, you know, right now we're kind of blending, we're growing the sport yeah. and we've got a, a handful of athletes that can really do some good things at the NAIA or the division three level, or, you know, a, a division two level even, or, and maybe even at a low division one, like yeah. they're they're it's growing. Um, so I think, I think expressing and, and for those, those high school students that like really want to play at the next level and, and they don't really care in what capacity really ask your coaches to be like, you know, where can I play? Like, yeah. and, and what experience do you want? Like, do you want to be 
do you want to be that supports that have that support role where you're there you're you're the practice person yeah. like you're there pushing your teammates to the next level because that's their your job and a big part of a role of a of a teammate is making sure that you're you're pushing them and but it, could you get on the floor in the capacity you want maybe not and or do you want to play right. um so I think I think it's a little bit of that, like a little dose of reality. I think yeah. is important in an honest conversation. It, again, it's not because they're bad. It's not because they're great. It's just, what do you want? Yeah. And um, and always being open. Like I think being coachable, um, you know, asking questions, and not only obviously to the coaches, the person that's coaching you, but like being an incredible teammate is so important. Yeah. It's so important. Like you, I, I can't tell you how many camps I've worked and like we have camper of the day, like we do camper of the day. And a lot of it is not even about, it's not even about how good they are. It's literally because of their attitude and yeah. helping somebody, or it could be just the connection that, you know, I've been coaching her for the past two days and everything she, I say, or I've asked or she, she listens and she does. Yeah. And and those things are, are attributes for us coaches that are really, really important because a lot, a lot of it is not, the problem isn't the skill. It's, it's the, the intangibles of yeah. who you are and your character of who you are. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, after your pro career, you know, that sunsetted, what, what was about, what was it about coaching that, you know, was your calling? Hmm. I, I definitely think it was a calling. Like, I think, um, the way you say that is, is true and valid. Um, I, yeah, I mean, kind of like what I said earlier, um, my experience before, but I, I just, I've always been around teams. Like I've always, I've always been around a competitive atmosphere. Um, like since I was young and, I like, it's, it's that, it's that love, you yeah. know, like I couldn't imagine getting into a job that like, I just, not that I don't know anything about, but just didn't summarize who I was as a person. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where I started. And, you know, I, I have grown immensely. Um, I've learned a lot about myself I've learned a lot about how people work mm -hmm. and how they function and how to create an environment that's collaborative and supported. Um, I've also learned what not to do too. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, it's just, I, it's a vocation, right? It's yep. literally like, it's the love yeah. for it. I don't view my job as a job. I view it as a hobby yeah. and, um, I enjoy, I enjoy coming into work every day and I enjoy communicating with, um, you know, my team and my, my staff. I enjoy collaborating. Um, I don't enjoy tough conversations, but I, I understand the pot, the, the growth that happens after it. Yeah. Um, and higher education, like formal, you know, just formidable years for exactly. 18 to 22 yeah. year old women and providing them the opportunity to live life through sport, I think is, 
irreplaceable. Absolutely. Yeah. And now, you know, what was your path to UConn? You said earlier you, you came here back in like 2014, 2015, and then you came back later to, you know, more involved on the coaching side. How did you end up here? Um, yeah, I think like randomly when I, when I came in and back in 2011, I just was like job searching. Yeah. I was like, boom, Connecticut and coming from Ohio. I was like, it's so far away. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I didn't think that at that time, but like, I remember growing up and being like, whoa, Connecticut, that's like New York city, yeah. like busy busyness. Um, and then when I got here, I was like, wow, cows, this is <laughs> out in stores. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, uh, I, you know, I'd come back for a relationship and it kind of worked out yeah. in a way. Um, yeah. And I, I had, I had been kind of local. So like I had kind of snuck my, you know, my interest into Yukon anyways, mm -hmm. because I was around and basically during the change of, one staff to another staff, they had reached out to me and asked if I could be interim until they found somebody else. Oh, wow. It was like, and I'd already worked here. Right. So yeah. like I had come back. So like they already knew kind of, I was in the mix mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah, I was in real estate at the time. Like I thought I was going to get my real estate license, which was kind of not the same as coaching at all. Yep. It was just competitive <laughs> and whatever, and not a nine to five. And they're like, Ellen, you want to be the interim? I was like, sure, let's do it. And then fortunately the, the, the gentleman they hired, Chris Grenwald. Yeah. Um, talk about the small world of volleyball. Um, he knew, he knew, uh, a, a former coach that I got recruited from. Okay. And this was a Georgia tech coach. Um, her name's Sally and they were super close. They were like best friends. And he had asked her like, Hey, do you, you know, I have Ellen Herman here. She's interested in the job and she's like, hire, hire her. Yeah. Hire her, do it. And, um, that was my step in oh, and wow. Again, like this is this is to show like you never know when things are going to circle around and the impression you make on people. And I tell that to our team, too. It's yeah. like, you know, you never want to leave, you know, any door shut like you. You want to make sure that if there is any sort of time where, you know, it, it doesn't feel right or doesn't look good or yeah. doesn't happen, like you never want to burn a bridge and absolutely some people some people do and that's yeah. up to them you know and that it is what it is but like you just never want to leave anything unturned and um because of my experience of my recruiting experience how i handled my recruiting experience mm -hmm. to this individual it paid off in the end and, right. and got my foot in the door here and yeah because you could have been angry at you know oh screw you guys for not you know taking me in but no you just you know yeah never burn a bridge it's too small of a world yeah, I would agree. Yeah, absolutely. And now what was it like coming back to UConn? And, you know, it sounds like the culture you've established now is fantastic. It's open, it's community, you know, two-way communication. Was that here before you got here? Or was that something you grew, you had to grow? Well, first I had the advantage of being an assistant coach first. Yeah. So like when I got, when I got the job as head coach, I had already been here. Okay. So that was the advantage. I already knew who the team was, 
you know, how it, how the infrastructure worked here from a university side of things. Um, I was a part of everybody. I was the recruiting coordinator. So I was a part of everybody's recruiting experience. Oh, nice. So it was a little bit of an advantage. Yeah. I'd say a lot of an advantage. Like I already knew people's stuff, you know, um, you know, as naturally as any assistant coach, like as the same with my, my assistants now, um, you know, you, I'm not saying that this is the case, but like you, you, you're responsible, but you're not responsible. Like you, you have no reason to not share the things you need to be sharing with your, with your boss or like right. when it comes to decision-making and you help a lot, like you're the task oriented people, like you're getting delegated things. You, you got to complete stuff. And so I knew, I knew how to work it. Like yeah. I knew what the responsibilities were with just like the day-to-day -day stuff. Um, but then I had my own opinions and thoughts on like the culture and like yeah. how we navigate conversations and, uh, you know, do we lay down standards? Do we have core values? Uh, you know, what is our line of communication? Uh, what's our expectation in the gym? Um, and, and I had some, I had some, you know, I had my own opinions. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that was a part of that is that, uh, that was something I, I don't know. I just, I, it's I wanted to get you. out of my players. Yeah. Like I, like, you know, this is a time where you come into the gym and you, you leave all of your crap there. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I, and, and it was not just on me either. Like I had a staff that was, that was completely supportive and had their, and had autonomy and had their own style of leadership. I had, you know, when I first got the job, we had a, a a really core group of of young women that that saw the vision that that I essentially saw and yeah. believed in. It. Um, and again, it goes down to that messaging component of just consistently showing up, yeah, all the time and showing back up too. It's not like you know days aren't easy, and it's again like showing back up to do it to do it again um, is hard work. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I, I don't have a magic like equation to, to disclose like how we got there. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, you know, what our values are of the team is we put the team first. That is number one. Mm -hmm. you know, we communicate. Yeah. So we have to communicate authentically. Uh, we're consistent. So, whether that's in our behaviors, our attitude, our mindset, our performance, like we were consistent. And then our last is we value growth and we understand we're not going to be perfect every day, yeah. uh, but we're here to grow. We, I'm the, the commitment we've made to come to UConn is that when we come in as freshmen, we are not leaving as the same person we came in as a freshman. Yeah. Nice. Like nice. we are, we are, we are, more knowledgeable, we're more confident, we're stronger, we're a better teammate. And, you know, of course, like we leave and we're champions. Yep. Like that's how it is. And um, yeah, so I think that's just what we say. We say all the time and yeah. it takes everybody to buy into it. And it's, it's not just, uh, it's not just me. It's, it's everybody that's a part of that. That's from our athletic trainers to our strength coach, to our academic advisor, to our, the environment we're yeah. in. Like, I mean, I was telling this to Emma Workmeister yesterday. She, cause they went, they went to the basketball game, um, to watch Creighton and, and UConn play. And yeah. the men, the men are now ranked number one. And, 
Um, you know, they crushed Creighton and I was just like, she was coming in the office and I was like, isn't it just crazy that like, we're a part of a department where like people are ranked number one and like our national champions, like mm-hmm. that, that's like some institutions never get that. Absolutely. Never. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and they see that these are their peers, right. like, these are their peers they see every day. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty special place. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And, and you touched on community. We talked that we hear that word communicate a lot, you know, during our conversation here. And that was one of the things like, I think that is fantastic about what you have there. Like when KB was on, she was talking about when she first came, you know, when she left Houston, came here and it was like, you asked her a question during practice. Or something. She goes, you're asking me a question. You're not just telling me. And that just like, sort of like blew her mind that like, you know, yeah, this is the way how you approach things is such a, a fantastic way to get, you know, the most out of, out of your players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, practice is learning. Yeah. Like, uh, you're, I mean, I think sometimes people learn by being told what to do. Yeah. Like, I, I don't disagree with that, but is that, in my opinion, is that the best way to learn? Yeah. Probably not. Uh, you know, you have to ask questions because again, like you, you want to be, you want to, you want to be painted a picture of, of your athletes' minds, right? Like, again, my coaching style meshes with most of our team, right? They, yeah. they know how I coach. That's why they came here or right. the same thing with our staff. Um, but doesn't mean they are you like, so you have to figure out how they work, mm-hmm. how they process, uh, what they're focusing on too. And sometimes they're focusing on the, the absolutely wrong thing or yeah. they're validating, they're validating it. Like, um, so yeah, I mean, we, we try, we try to ask, like, I always, uh, granted, I'm not great at it. So like, uh, this is, I try, um, I try my best <laughs> to always just lead with a question, mm-hmm. um, you know, with what or how, Yeah. Like, how did you come to that decision? Right. What did you see? Yeah. Um, you know, how did that make you feel? Like, yeah. how do we get ourselves out of that? Like, how would you make a, another choice? Like, and not to use why, mm-hmm. because why can provide a defense mechanism? Like, yeah. well, why did you do this? Like that, that me doing, why did you do this? You're is putting your guard up. Yep. Yeah. is a completely different situation to how, you know, how did you do this? Yeah. Like, there's two different ways to go about that. Yeah. And especially when tensions are high. Mm-hmm pressure is high, all these things like you, you're going at it as a coach unbiasedly. Um, and again, like you want them to be, they, you, you can help them, Mm -hmm. but you're not playing. So how can you allow them to just work through things for themselves? How can they problem solve? Yeah. Because I would love to sit back in a match and just, (laughs) That would be great. Yeah. Um, but again, like I also love interaction too, but like, that's, that's just how, how we try to try to do it to yep. get us out of them. Let's talk a bit about the season. So the, you know, the season had the championship in December and now January, the kids are filtering back. So what phase of, you know, what happens during this sort of, you know, went January till, you know, summer 
phase from a team standpoint? Yeah. So um, actually, we have a we have a team meeting today. Um, you know, we, we're having a culture talk um, and we've had a couple of meetings before um, we've established a, a leadership council. So we've got a leadership council that um, are representatives of the team. Um, and it was evaluated from a lot of evaluation, a lot of thought process behind it. It wasn't just a random pick out of the hat. Um, and um, so, and then just kind of getting back into the swing of things of just like classes and whatnot. So, um, we kind of kick things off with just getting a reset button in some ways of yeah. like, because our preparation for, for this upcoming season happens now, right. it's not like right after they get home from summer, yeah. um, you know, in preseason. And so it looks, you know, from a, a calendar side, we go into our eight hour segment, which is a little bit more individual based, um, position based. And then once those days are over, we head into our 20 hour segments, which is our more traditional, like practice every day, oh, okay. two and a half hours. Um, they're also lifting quite a bit as well. And I shouldn't say quite a bit. It is more than what we do in the fall. Yeah. Um, but this is when you see some transformative body changes too. Like, you know, the freshmen are getting stronger. They're like, yeah. holy crap, I actually can like bench 120 pounds. Like there's all these things that happen that again, like the purpose of lifting and is to make sure that they're maximizing their performance on the floor. Yeah. Um, they're not here to, to be weight lifters. I think some of them thoroughly enjoy lifting, um, but it's keeping them on the, keeping them on the floor. Like yeah. I want them to be able to make an incredible move and let their body make their range of motion and get right back up and feel good about it. Like yeah. hell, if I would do that right now, I'd probably break five bones, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I'm not on a lifting regimen and I'm also 35, but like, that's, that's also a part of it too. Um, is just, this is the off season and this is where I, we see most growth yeah. too. So, um, yeah, it'll be trickled in with some team activities, team talks, uh, leadership council meetings, check-ins, um, obviously development on the floor and yeah. in the gym. Um, and that'll happen all the way up until April. So yeah. uh, we'll okay. be in it for a little bit. Their weekends, we have four competition dates. So we're allowed four dates to where we can go compete against other teams. Oh, nice. Um, you know, so I, I think right now we've got a couple lined up like playing Bryant and playing Harvard and and whatnot. Um, and then, then they go home for summer. And summer is like middle of May, yeah. all of June. And they come in like... I think this calendar year is like July 11th or 12th or 13th, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, and then they're here for summer and going right into preseason. Wow. So they take a class in the summer. They work out with our strength coach. They do open gyms. And then because we can't have any hands-on activity with them. Yeah. And we start with preseason and we get after it. And you guys, you know, that's the one thing about the fall sport. You guys start running there's really not much of a window for you know especially freshmen coming into that new environment you know leaving their small town or wherever they're from getting you know acclimated to that and then you know going from high school club volleyball to college volleyball in a matter of a few weeks it's it's got to be hard for them yeah I, you know it's funny you say that because I, I didn't really recognize it so much until like i mean i knew why it was so important to come for summer yeah um, but I didn't realize like, we just don't get, a, I mean, I, we, it's obvious, but we, we don't get a lot of time, like you said, and right. like the spring sports, like they get their freshmen acclimated, they get college under their belt. They get a whole semester, right. you know, they get to train. I'm like, shoot spring, spring sports. And they obviously have their, their, right. their issues, 
too. Like, don't get me wrong, but I'm like, yeah, then that, that all makes sense. Like that's, you get to, you get a whole semester to just break them in. And then you really have a good idea of like how much development they get. And yeah. like, it's just, it's a whole different avenue. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, but yeah, that I would, I would agree. It's, 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 it's a little crazy. Yeah. And now for, from a senior standpoint, like the KBs and whatnot who are moving on, are they still involved with, you know, practicing and, and sort of helping those, you know, the, you know, the freshmen. And even now you've got, I think you got a couple of players that are just, I guess they started in January, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so usually like right after the fall of everybody's senior year, they, they lived their last semester with no volleyball. Yeah. They, you know, they live the college life. Um, you know, if some of them, I think, you know, KB for instance, like she wants to stay in volleyball Yeah, and she, because she had a, she was a COVID kid too. She, you know, she was only here for the semester. So she's already graduated. She's already back home. Oh, like wow. she's a job. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, someone like Sierra, she's got, she's taking like one class right now. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's different for everybody. Um, but usually that last semester they're, they're living college to their, their lives. Nice. And, and if they want to have aspirations to play pro, like we keep that door open for them. If they yeah. want to come train, um, they can, we typically try to separate them from like the current team. Yeah. Um, but if we come back and have like a competitive day or we're playing, like we have them come back and play because usually the spring roster is a little bit smaller. Mm -hmm. And so we need people to help and we have practice guys that come in and play as well. Um, and then obviously in this case, like we actually have Anna and Deja who are incoming freshmen. They're the 24 class yeah. that had the advantage to come in early. They graduated early from high school, um, and they're here training Excellent. and it's, this is the first for us. Like I, this has not happened in our program yet. Yeah. And yeah, really excited. So we kind of get that advantage, like a spring sport, they get right. this whole semester to train, uh, to be here, to understand what UConn volleyball is all about. Yeah. And, um, and their situations were different too. Like, you know, if everybody wanted to do that, we'd definitely be open to it, but it's also, you know, it's one of those things that like there, those two specifically were in environments that they just wanted to, they kind of outgrown their areas yeah. in a way. Um, and they had the capabilities of their really, really intelligent young women and, you know, school is important to them and got ahead of their studies and made it work. And, and now they're here. Excellent. So. Another aspect of college sports that I had no idea was the transfer portal that where the window opens while the championships sort of are still going on. What you know, what are your thoughts on the whole transfer portal concept? Yeah, I think, I think the transfer portal is, is overall a good thing. It benefits both sides. Yeah. Especially if a young woman, you know, just didn't seem like it'd be a good fit. Um, I don't know, you know, life happens, things happen. Right. Like maybe they want to go closer to home, yeah. you know, maybe somebody's sick or whatever, or mental health or yeah. um, different institution, too big, too small, whatever it is. Like yeah. it's, it's. Because because as a 17 year old making that life huge decision and then, or even at 16 or 17, you're making that commitment or whatnot. And then you're like, okay, they're not fully matured and, and just learn it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a huge thing. Yeah. And so, you know, fortunately, like knock on wood, you know, we haven't, we haven't had a lot of people transfer. Yeah. Um, 
And the ones that had transferred are ones that wanted to play their additional COVID year somewhere else. Yeah. Cool. Um, the people that have departed the program, um, you know, they, they wanted a different experience. Yeah. Like, and, and I, and I understand that, like, that's not, it's not a problem to me. Um, if, it, if it becomes a problem, you know, then I'll have issues, Yeah. but you know, it's, when they're here, they're committed to it. And yeah. then when they have the opportunity to leave, they left. Yeah. And um, so with vacancies there with the transfer portal, we had the opportunity to obviously bring in either a replacement mm -hmm. in that specific class or whatever yeah. we see fit. Um, causes some havoc from an allocation side. Like, you know, there's a, a thing called balance. Like you want to balance your roster. Yeah. Um, but also too, like the transfer portal doesn't always mean you get someone either. Right. Like it doesn't mean that like, oh, we could just go in the transfer portal because we're going to get whatever we want. No, <laughs> uh, -uh. like it's, it's, it's a two-way street. Like yeah. I, I protect, you know, and the staff, we protect this program as if it's our child right. and we we want to make sure that the people we bring in that are if through, through the transfer portal match absolutely yeah us and some people do some people don't yeah and the same like i could also go be really aggressive with certain individuals from the transfer portal and they don't even look at us right you know and so yeah so it's it's kind of it's kind of a tug of war yeah um but it's not always a guaranteed match either. Yep. And so um, I think, I think those are the pros and the cons, yep. like, um, you know, someone from the transfer portal, like it's really important. Not always you're going to get somebody that has experience or someone that does have experience or yeah. someone that is coming from a high level program to, you know, another high level program, those, and you're starting to see trends on things too, yeah. like typically power five, transfers stay in power five like they don't really change um and the and the process is fast yes it, it seems so like that fast. um and yeah there's a balance too of like work-life balance for yeah. us as coaches like it's during the holidays and right. yeah like i remember the first time the, the portal opened and i remember my colleagues being like yeah i had i had a have a visit on Christmas Eve. And oh I'm like, God. what? Why? Um, and again, like, it's just keeping up with the Joneses. Right. It's, it's, you know, I, I knock on wood now and I say, I'm never going to do that. And I, I probably will never do that yeah. and never say never, but like, that's, you know, those are things that you just, I'm a firm believer and it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Absolutely. And sometimes my staff absolutely hates that. They're like, Ellen, stop. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I believe that we put enough work into our job that we're going to reap the benefits and yeah. it happens. Yeah. And so the, the portal is, is, is great. I think every year is different though, too. Yeah. Like we had a really big influx last year because a lot of people had additional COVID years you know, this upcoming season is the last year of COVID where everybody gets their additional year. So we'll see. Yep. We'll see how it works. All right. And speaking of recruiting, you know, sort of what kind of skills or, you know, I guess uh, abilities are you looking for to identify an athlete that makes them a Husky? What are some of the key things you look for? Well, first and foremost is 
when we're evaluating them right away, it's just like, how are they playing? Like, not only is it obviously skill, but um, what is their decision process like? Uh, how do they interact with their teammates? Um, how do they interact with their coaches? Um, and, and then once we identify like, Hey, we feel as though this recruit or this prospect can raise our level, like, and not even just like, Hey, they can play in our gym. Like they can raise our level. And again, this is on potential, right. Yeah. Um, and feel like they're the right fit in the volleyball perspective. We try to get them on the phone and figure out who they are as people. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the individuals that really are attractive to us is the style of, of athlete that wants to come in and do whatever it takes to, to win. Yeah. Um, and it's not winning. Isn't be all end all like we're high relationship, but we also want high results. Mm -hmm. And so we're not going to be that cutthroat culture. Like we're not going to sit there and say, it doesn't matter who you are as a person. All we care about is winning. Yeah. No, that's not what we want. Um, but to figure out how they communicate, like what's their style, what's their style of learning? Like, how do they describe themselves? Like, you know, what is, what is something I can count on them for to win a championship? Like, like I just, I ask, I have these list of questions. I ask them yeah. and if they feel like they're, if I feel like they're communicative, they're confident, they have direction, um, they're, you know, they're motivated. Um, they're obviously academically capable of, of being able to achieve greatness here from an academic side at UConn. Yeah. They're a high academic school. Um, and obviously from a teammate perspective, like what is, what's their language like? Right. And um, so again, like you're asking for like, what is that special UConn athlete? It's, it's, I always try to figure out what their X factor is. Like, I, I'm like, what's special about you? Like, yeah. I, I don't mean that as like a, like, Hey, what's special about you? But like, what, what is special about you? Like, why should I, why should I ask Olivia to be a part of the Yukon family. Yeah. And if they can't sit there and figure it out and say, well, you can count on me to work my ass off every day in the gym, or you can count on me that I'm every time you sit me down, like, I'm going to be honest with you. Or like, if they can't answer those questions with, without, you know, with confidence right. and like, they've actually thought about it before. Yeah. We, we just say, thanks. Yep. We're going to move in a different direction. All right. Um, so, yeah. And now on the other side of that, you know, you're approaching a, a potential player to come to the school. What are some of the key pieces that you sort of like, uh, was key selling points of, you know, come to UConn, you know, we have our brand, we have, you know, it's a, you know, nationally ranked teams are here. The best players around the country are here. You know, what are some of the other reasons to come to UConn? especially for UConn volleyball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we have a, a really good balance of all three of those things that we, we talked about earlier. Um, you know, academics obviously are high. Our brand is there. Um, our support is there. Um, but I think the the biggest selling point that we have is just who we are as people. Yeah. Like the connection and the relationship. Um, 
we put them with the team as much as we can. Uh, we value their opinion as well. Like I, after every recruit, we we blast our team with questions and they answer them and they're like, yeah, they're like, no, they're like, she's awesome. Here's a red flag or Excellent. sell it, let's go. Um, because again, like it's, it's like, I always say to our team is like, a good team is led by the coaches, but a great team is led by the players. Yeah. And that's them. Like, who who do you want to, them to be a part of? Like, you don't want just somebody that's just chilling because they want UConn on their chest. Like, right. you you want somebody that's willing to work, that's willing to, to battle with you, that's like, you know, is going to pick you up when you're not feeling the greatest. So yeah. how do you, how do you assess those things? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's really about, getting them here on a visit, having them be a part of the people that are here. Um, because I, I think ultimately UConn can provide anything that every other institution does plus. Yep. yep. And, you know, there's some, there's some prospects that are like, I want to go to school in the city. And I say, well, UConn's not for you then. Yeah. Like it's, it's nothing against the university, nothing against them. But if you want to be downtown, like you're, you're an hour yeah. And a half from Boston if you want to go visit, but like you probably will be able to go visit in the springtime, you yeah. know? And so, um, you know, just being open and honest and and finding those kids they are like, yeah, that doesn't, I, I just want to be, I just want to be great. Yeah. And those are the kids that I get highly attractive to and along with the staff. From a recruiting standpoint too, you know, we're, you know, it's a global stage now where you're trying to pull athletes from players from other places how are you finding them are you looking you know, are you are they reaching out to you or are you you know uh you know from people you know from around the world because like one of your players is from turkey correct mm -hmm. yeah and when we got doa from the transfer portal she, oh, okay. she was a transfer um yeah it's a little bit of both it's i mean a lot of it is us recruiting yeah. you know we recruit nationally we go out we identify evaluate pursue. Yeah. Like that's really kind of what we do. Um, you know, we, we get a, a heavy amount of interest from, from prospects that want to come to UConn. And, you know, I also think that, that every year, you know, we look for different positions. Like yeah. some people will set, you know, a setter will send us like, you know, a 2025 setter will send us film and they'll be really, really good. And it's like, well, we're not taking a setter this year, you know? And, and, and there's, there's those kind of caveats to the recruiting process as well. It's not just like a free for all every single year too. Right. Um, but it, it works both ways. It works both ways. Like it's definitely on connection. It's definitely yeah. on building relationships. It's going out and pursuing, you know, at the tournaments. Um, so I, I think it's a, a really big, a big blend of both. Yeah. All right. And now, you know, you have Maggie who's from, you know, she's a local Connecticut. How important mm -hmm. is that to, you know, find players within the state and bring them to UConn? Extremely important. In my opinion, obviously, like any top division one volleyball player that's from Connecticut, they should come to UConn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, the battle is that maybe they want to go outside of the state, right. you know, like that's, um, but we, but yeah, I mean, the, the sport in, in the state is growing. Um, there's a lot of good people, a lot of committed uh, grassroots programs and coaches that are are buying into the growth of the sport, which I am thoroughly happy about <laughs> um, and doing it the right way. Yeah. Um, so that, so that these young, these young girls can stay in the sport and, and reap the benefits of, 
playing competitive volleyball. Yeah. Um, and some of them might have the pleasure of playing in college too. And so, um, yeah, I think it's really important to recruit locally. I yeah. mean, that's something we put, uh, a, a hierarchy on our recruiting. We, we try as hard as we can to visit courts that represent the state in whatever tournament we go to. Yeah. Um, you know, we try to do as many camps as we can, uh, you know, that can blend with our own personal and, and professional schedules. Yeah. Um, you know, we have conversations with coaches all the time. Uh, we have high school day to come to matches. Like we, we want to encompass this family, this family like volleyball environment that, Hey, like you can play some high level volleyball in your backyard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so grabbing Maggie is the, I think the second Connecticut uh, player that oh, I've wow. had. Yeah, the first one was when I was here for the first time. Her name is Sage Esposito. She's yeah. from the area. Um, and then obviously Maggie was next. Um, and and Maggie's phenomenal, yeah. as you know. Um, yeah. She's she's a great person, um, and she bleeds blue. It's it's incredible, and she's a phenomenal human being. And so, getting getting those local local athletes to come and commit to UConn is a benefit because obviously we want their experience to be a high yeah. level. What happens is that it just is word of mouth. Like, yeah. Hey, Maggie was at UConn. She's enjoying her experience. Like they're pushing hard in practice. They're trying to win championships. Like those are the things that are, can help. And then that just creates more of an environment like, Ooh, let me go check UConn right. out. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I, that's my opinion, but I understand that takes a little bit of of watering the the flower. A yeah, bit. absolutely. And you know, I think it's fantastic. That, like, you know, she was telling me that you guys, you know, did a sort of open day down at her you know, where she went to her club, uh, mm -hmm. you know, up at Husky here. And you know, we talked a little about the you know the the summer programs. You guys do a phenomenal job. The you know, you. it's not you know, it's not mailed in. You guys are there. You're working the girls. The players, your players are involved with them. The coaches. It's a phenomenal mm -hmm. job that you guys are doing. It's so worth it to these girls that are you know they're they get so much out of it thank you thank you yeah it's it's a big part of our our job is yeah. um it's it's not it's not just about getting the best players you know like it's part of it but um but it's not all of it and especially in an area like connecticut massachusetts rhode island you know parts of new york pennsylvania yeah. I mean, even in Vermont and New Hampshire and Maine, like there's probably a heck of a lot of untapped volleyball potential, um, and especially being an indoor sport. They don't need yep. to be outside. Like it's really important to grow the game. Um, and, and when people make that commitment to grow the game is only benefits us. Yep. And so, um, yeah, yeah pulling from the grassroots roots up is a huge advantage and, yeah. and building those relationships is key too. Absolutely. You, know, you guys have your own facility now up there. Part of the problem with is, you know, when I talk to high school parents who are playing, you know, their kids are playing volleyball, they really have no, you know, no idea how good the volleyball sport is unless you see it at that, you know, college level. And it's like, go up to stores, check it out. You know, it's free. It's, you know, you don't have to pay for parking. It's a great way to, to, you know, go and watch high caliber ball and learn about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. And and obviously having, you know, parents like you and, and invested in the sport and invested in the state, I think it's important to, 
continue to keep spreading it as, as word of mouth as possible. Yeah. I know we're, we're attempting to try, you know, to try again, like having very opening conversations about it, but trying to get some state finals and whatnot and the tournament run to be here on, on campus, just to like have them experience it. Right. Um, and, you know, again, like it's not at a great time because it's both in fall, we've got a season, they've got seasons, yeah. but those are things that we're thinking about so that we can continue to keep growing the sport. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean the, 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 the attraction we, we have gotten now is not to where we want it to be. Right. We don't want it to finish. We want it to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but like that was from the work that we've done five years ago. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm, ex you know, I'm, I, my goal and, you know, my goal, our goal, the, 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 even the department's goal is to get this place sold out all the time. Yeah. Like, and it should be, and, um, it's an intimate relationship. It's a game family-like experience. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's a great place to play. It's, yeah. um, we're kind of create, still kind of creating our own identity of like, what is special about our facility and, mm -hmm. and our, our game-like experience. And we've already got monster block down <laughs> yeah. and we've got like the hockey horn yep. for aces is I think is, is pretty cool too. So, yeah. and they throw out t-shirts. So why not come get a t-shirt? Absolutely. What do you see from the freshmen coming or from the seniors coming to uh college freshmen? Are they ready to, you know, that level of play right there, or is it to take a little while for them to adjust from, you know, college, high school plates as the college level? It's a hard question because it honestly is different for everybody. Yeah. It gets um, depth on what's already on the team. Yeah. It's how the student athlete responds and grows and how fast they can grow. The game is so much faster than it was in high school. Right. The systems are different. And not only that, but your lifestyle outside of True. volleyball is different. <laughs> so like that's a whole nother managing yep. um, component. And so, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's, it's, it's tough to tell and everybody's different. Yeah. Honestly, everybody's different. And, and, and that's one thing we try to preface beforehand. And I think another advantage of coming in for the summertime is just to kind of get your feet wet I don't know what campus is all about, what yeah. it feels like to be a college student without everybody here and the chaos, uh, what's lifting like, how are we playing um, in the sense of open gyms and whatnot. So, um, yeah, and, and we we have regular meetings with our incomers and check ins and whatnot just to make sure that they're their heads on, yeah. you know, on a swivel as much as they probably feel like they are. A better question, maybe. What are you seeing any tendencies from these, you know, freshmen coming in that you'd like to see either club coaches or high school co coaches work on them a little bit more? I think from a, a level of coaching, I think you, you as a coach, I shouldn't say you, for all those yous out there, for all those coaches and youth coaches is just to continue to work on as much ball control as possible. Like, and I'm not just saying passing or digging. I'm saying setting, serving, blocking, hitting, arm mechanics, um, you know, fun games that is like outside the box. Um, because like it's one, and not only is it healthy for the students to uh, the prospects, the recruits, the youth to be exposed to different things all the time, but it helps them just to have a better body awareness. Um, they're, they get, more interpretation of the game. They understand the game better. Um, 
you know, everybody, when they get to the division one level, they should be able to serve the ball over the net and do it the right way. Yes. And to be honest, I've had a couple of students that couldn't serve the ball over the net. Like, and it's not, wow. it's, it's not their fault. Right. Like they don't know what they don't know, but to sit there and I'm like, oh, wow, we have to switch the feet. We've got to put the arm back. Like, whoa, we got to start over. You know, everybody should know what a defensive position looks like. Right. Everybody should hands together the right way feet like, the right way and yeah. yeah like there's a lot of things that just kind of go unannounced because they're like well you're a middle you just go be a middle or you're a right side just go be a right side or you're the setter you don't worry about attacking or you're just the bro you don't need to to hit a ball like yeah. and so i think that i think the fundamentals behind the sport i think should be touched on every day in yeah. training excellent and now you just talked a little bit about, you know, the freshman coming in and checking in with them. Sort of, you know, volleyball is more than just the physical game. There's that mental aspect. How do you guys, you know, make sure that the, your players are, you know, on their you know best from a mental standpoint? Well, <laughs> check-ins are one. Yeah. Tactical empathy is another. And that's simply just by asking questions and validating their emotions. Yeah. I say simply, it's very difficult. Also just allowing them to express themselves, like not necessarily being like a psychologist by any means. Now, trust me, there are definitely times where I'm like, man, I wish I majored in psychology <laughs> um, and human performance because this would be phenomenal. It's just continuing to encourage them that there there is light at the end of the tunnel, like, and and to not give up. Like, I think, I think there's been a, a pretty big drop down of resiliency um, in student athletes, and again, it's not their fault, Yeah, but it's the society we live in. Like I'm even finding myself to not be as resilient as I once was because everything's at our fingertips. Right. Like, and I'm not just saying with social media and our computers and the internet, like I'm, I'm even talking about the services we're getting provided, yeah. like even from a, a, de a department perspective, like all right, nobody's giving me an answer. I'm going to find somebody with an answer and, and that's how it works. Um, so I think it's trying to continue to keep pushing them to stay disciplined in their actions, to, to refine their craft. Um, but a lot of it too, is that they just, they just want to be heard. Yeah. And, um, again, their, their mindset, we do a lot of, we do, I didn't just say the word training, but we, we have a lot of conversations. we, um, use this company called Squad U that uses an assessment that provides like gives us an assessment on how how is the athlete fueled, how is the athlete bonded, and how is the athlete think. And okay. and so it provides us um some some data that that can allow us to collaborate to figure out how can we get to them faster as coaches to teach them. And then also how can they help their teammates yeah. and understand their teammates. Oh, wow. And, you know, it's similar. Like it, I, I'd say it's similar. It's not necessarily similar to like a disc profile or a behavior assessment or whatever, but it's, it's around those, those edges. Yeah. Um, and it's specifically just for athletes. And so like we have, we have cult, like today we've got a culture talk that is like, okay, well, if we want to be here, yeah. what do we have to start doing? What do we have to stop doing and what do we have to continue to do? Like, because if we can all talk here, like we can all talk the talk, mm -hmm. but like 
they don't understand that their decisions and their choices have an impact on what is going to happen up here. Yeah. And, and, and they're just, they're just teenagers. Like they're <laughs> peer pressure. They're, right. they, they're selfish. Like college is like, you're in a bubble and nothing can, can go wrong. And, and, and now it's like, okay, now I have to be self-aware Mm-hmm. of how I act and how I interpret things and what I think about, right. To, you know, what, what the rest of the team needs. Right. And then there's other levels of mindset too, is like, they, they live to the expectations of their parents. They live the expectations of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, high perfectionism is a big issue um, on the team. Um, and again, it's not an issue. It's a great motivator, yep. but when, perfectionism becomes the problem there's a lot of a lot of issues in there Uh, a majority of the team aims to please they don't want to they don't want to let each other down they don't want to let each other down yeah and that's okay and and i think that's a big part of you know this is speaking directly to obviously our group here but Mm -hmm. we have we have high relationships like and they don't want to hurt each other's feelings and what i'm trying to help them understand is that because you guys have that relationship with each other, because you genuinely love and care about each other, that means you can have those conversations. Yeah. Like you can have those conversations and say, Hey, like, and it doesn't need to be this big thing. Like you can go up to somebody and be like, I, I want you to be great. Like, why, why are you cutting corners? Yeah. Like, because you cutting corners does this to the team or, or I don't know, like your attitude or, or even allow somebody to be like, Hey, are you okay? Yeah. Like, and again, like we're, we're social creatures. Like that's who we are as humans and we need connection. Like, and we just all do it differently. And so going back to the mindset piece, like it's everybody's just trying to figure each other out and the great teams, the championship teams figure each other out fast and they don't do it just because it just is like natural. Some of it helps that it's natural. Right. But they don't just get there because it just, you know, naturally like natural selection happens. We have to, we have to work to it. And so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So now, you know, over the years you've been coaching, is there a, any significant lesson that you've learned as a coach that has influenced your your philosophy? The answer to this is yes. <laughs> um, I think from a, a philosophical way, I'm heavily influenced. Like I, I, I love people's opinions. My dad is like the best. Yeah, I say that now, like I'm saying that now as like an adult and yeah. parent. Um, we definitely batted heads. 16-year-old and- Ellen may have may disagree on that. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, you know, and my, my mom too, like, you know, I can't forget about my mom in matter of fact, it was just, it was all of my parents. Like I, even my stepmother, you know, my brother as well, my sister, uh, I have step family, I have my stepsisters too. And, you know, my brother actually played football at Ohio at the same time. So he, he was an offensive lineman. So we, you know, we would go at it all the time in my family upbringing, but yeah, I think, I think what, from a, a job perspective and a leadership perspective, I think about my dad often, yeah. you know, for him recently, like I tell this to him all the time is like, he has gone through hell and back in regards to just some medical stuff mm-hmm. and his life has drastically changed. 
And again, like he could, and and I'm talking physically, like he can't, he can't really move much anymore. Yeah. He can't, he's all there in his head, but he just, he can't, he can't see his grandchildren. You know what I mean? Like yeah. those things are major. Um, he's retired now, but like, it's one of those things that like he, he is able to wake up every day and, you know, and he's, he's a, a religious guy and he, he, he buys in the fact that he understands what it needs to do in order to be his best version of himself, even yeah. though he's still trying to figure out what that is. And, and he was a leader, like he was, he, he was a fire chief, um, you know, in high stake, high pressure situations. He worked in our local fire department for a long time in our city. And then he graduated to the refinery that was in town and became like the, the fire specialist and fire chief of a huge refinery. Wow. And, you know, and he, he had, he had to, to teach adult men and women to work together to find safety for, I mean, we're talking chemicals, like right. we're talking crazy stuff that could kill somebody, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, and, and finding those ways and, and, and being a, a leader that is collaborative and communicative, but hard yeah. is something that I resonate often on with him because he, you know, his, his style of leadership, I think is a little bit like I've learned from him yeah. on, on how to lead because it's, I mean, there's nothing more like fighting fires, like, holy crap, like talk about sure, both, you know, figuratively and, you know, not, yeah. It's, yeah, it's really the, the, a special way. So I think my dad and obviously my parents and, yeah. and then, you know, some coaches too, that are just, they're just great. You know, they're just great people in you, 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 they pushed you and then you've created a relationship as a friend afterwards. Yeah. And you're just like, it, it's weird how things kind of collaborate and work together as, as the however you want to say it, whether it's fate or timing or whatever yeah. it's, but it's also what you put into it too. Oh, absolutely. Like, so now what's your thoughts on where volleyball is today? I think we're in a new space. Like I think we're on the brink of something really remarkable, but also I think something on the brink of something that could be really remarkable can also be like really dangerous. This space in which um, NIL has name, image, and likeness has grown is remarkable, but also kind of scary. Yeah. And, and will that, will that crush the someone, I shouldn't say crush someone like me, but someone who values relationships so much over anything else yeah. um, is scary because they, they put this dollar amount and, and on, on people and on, and opportunities and, Again, it's, it's scary, but I, you know, again, like I sit there and I contradict myself and I say, well, but I, I believe that we're going to be great because of who we are, not because of what we're given. And, um, you know, and I think that's a big part of a scary place of NIL, but also from a volleyball perspective of like, just the sport is pretty crazy because like I said, like TV exposure, yeah. support, style of athlete. Like, I mean, when we were in school, like when I was playing, like people touching 10 feet were like yeah. pretty good, you know? But now everybody touches 10 feet. People are like touching like <laughs> 11. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, okay. Um, so I, I think it's just, we're in a really 
pivotal time. Yeah. And is that time going to change tomorrow? No, but it, it's in the next year or two. Just it's think about what happened change. two years ago to now. Right. It's, yeah. it's going to feel like overnight because it's going to be such in a small increment of time. Yep. Ellen, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. And But before you go, like past guests, uh, who in your circle of peers or players or other coaches you think would have a great story to come on and share? That you think would um, I think Kaylee Parker would be great. Okay. I yeah. think KJ, uh, Kenny Jake Turner would be great. They're former. They they played two years ago now. Yeah. Um, playing pro and they're living life. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And then um, I'm trying to think of like even locally. Um, yeah. Megan Drosh, who's the head coach at Eastern. Okay. Um, she's a former alumni here as well. Good experience there. Well, hey, thank you so much. And, yo, good luck next year. Yeah, thank you so much. And looking forward to seeing you in the stands. Absolutely.